This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. There's so much buzz around Netflix's All the Light We Cannot See. The series continues to be a top five trending show on Netflix. It's based on the Pulitzer Prize-winning novel. It follows the story of a French girl who is blind. She and her father flee German-occupied Paris. They have a significant diamond that they are trying to keep from getting into the hands of the Nazis. There's been a lot of talk on the show around the series. A few weeks ago, I interviewed the show's accessibility consultant, Joe Strache. Last week, film critic Amy Amanti shared her review. This week, there's a little something extra for you. Senior producer Andrika Delanerol is here to tell you more about it. Hey, good morning, Andrika. Good morning, Dave. How are you? I'm great, Andrika. There's just been so much buzz around this show, and there's been a lot of really good talk here about it. What do you have in store for audiences with this exclusive? Yeah, you know, it's funny, uh, Dave. Last week, uh, we had the opportunity from Netflix. They were hosting a virtual junket to meet a couple of the stars from the show. Uh, so the original intention was just to bring content back to this show. But then, you know, we figured, hey, we got a, a good 15-minute interview with the two stars, Aria Mia Liberti and Lewis Hoffman. And so we figured, why not uh, make it as a Now with Dave Brown exclusive on <laughs> AMI+. Plus? So it is going to be coming up later today on AMI+, Plus uh, for you at home, to stream in full. But uh, today I'm going to share a couple of highlights with you. Yeah, a little appetizer. little appetizer yeah, before the main course drops. So you've got a couple clips with you today. You had a chance to learn more about the lead actor's debut role. What did she have to say? You know what? Um, so I just want to backtrack for one second. Last week we had Amy Amanti on the show. And Amy, um, Amy was very excited about this show. She ended up doing some background research on Aria and um, shared she pretty much shared her extensive academic background um, because as a lot of people are talking about right now, Arya has never acted in a, a film role or anything prior to uh, landing this role on All the Light We Cannot See. So that was something I wanted to know about from Arya is how much of her academic world did she incorporate into this role as Marie? So let's hear what she had to say. It's so interesting because I started out, as you said, as an academic, but I was never really happy and I didn't know why. And I loved what I studied, but I just, I knew I didn't want to do it as a career. And I always fought for my education and to be able to say that I got to where I got, I'm like, I was just so grateful and excited to be there, but why wasn't I happy? And it's like this was supposed to be the thing I was doing the whole time. And I, I because it is that distillation of knowledge um, in this case of history, that I was able to bring to preparing a character. And it humanizes all of this sort of book smart knowledge that I've accumulated and really studied for this whole time. And it allows me to not only internalize it, but physicalize it. I don't know if that's a word, but you know what I mean. And um, I, 
did so much preparation for her, of course, like looking into the history of this time period and the history of the radio. And I study um, history of communication. So like this was just, it was so interesting, even though this was not the period I studied, to understand that words have power. Not only do they have power, but they shape the reality we live in. And a character like this who, she's not necessarily aware of the power of her words, but she knows that they're influencing the resistance. She knows that they're reaching someone, maybe giving someone hope. And she has persistence of hope that she can do better and maybe reach someone across the airwaves. And so all of these spreadsheets and all of this time with the book and the study into the town of Samalo and the history of World War II and of everything down to the food and the clothing and the she's she herself is a is a scientist so like that wasn't something I knew anything about and we experienced the world in such vastly different ways so as an academic it was wonderful to be able to immerse really technically and intellectually into it but when I got to set I realized, you know, I was learning as I go that intellectualizing isn't always great when you're on set, but that next step of allowing all of this knowledge I accumulated to be in my body and be in my muscles, forget it all and just let it live in my memory and be human and be her was so wonderful. So it was very helpful. What an interesting approach from a first time mm -hmm. actor to sort of immerse themselves and then have the realization to say, because I've immersed, <laughs> I can now make it muscle memory. Uh, that's so interesting from Aria on that point. And just like Aria, her counterpart, Lewis Hoffman, did a ton of preparation for the role. What stood out to you about him? So in this show, it's really interesting because uh, every character is extremely expressive. I mean, it's during the wartime, so it's a very emotional time. Um, so, you know, Arya's character, um, she does such a great job in her facial expressions. There's other characters, uh, a lot of the uh, the Nazi soldiers are, you know, they have a lot of angry faces and just a lot of, um, just a lot of tone in, in, in their physical expression. But with Lewis's character, he plays a uh, young uh, German man who gets recruited uh, as a, a soldier by the Nazis, mainly for his talent of having the ability to repair radios. And so there's something different about how we approach this character. A lot of the emotions are expressed in the character's eyes, but Lewis also took a different approach um, going beyond the book and just trying to immerse himself in getting to know his character. So let's hear what he had to say. I did a session, well, a session of a week, uh, a week of um, fixing, pre preparing, uh, um, building, understanding radios. Because I think aside from the intellectual prep, which um, I also love, um, but I also love prep that is physical and that doesn't mean you know like working out or whatsoever but something physical that the character does which just sort of seeminglessly connects you to the character and makes you tap into it quite easily without everything being very conscious so to say so less intellectual and um so that's what i did for a week and that sort of i don't know really connected me to the character and to the to the way of how he, I don't know, looks at things, handles, handles things, touches things. 
So that's a bit about the way in which the actors approached their preparation for the roles. But zooming out a little bit, a few weeks ago I spoke with disability consultant Joe Strecce. He touched on the importance of authentic casting in the show and made reference to the show's director, Sean Levy. Let's take a moment to listen back to what he had to say. Getting to work with uh, uh, the Sean and, and it, having my input, but we also got the input of uh, different consumer groups as well as respectability and uh, the American Council of the Blind and National Federation of the uh, Blind. And um, so it's not just my feedback, but I'm there every day uh, and I, I live every day in those scripts and making sure that what we're doing is uh, putting blindness in the best light possible within the story. Um, as well as the input of Aria, uh, who's this brilliant young woman. I'm not a, a woman, and uh, a young girl's experience of blindness might be different than a young male's experience of blindness. But I'm also making sure the historical parts, like the white cane uh, first started getting distributed by the Lions uh, Lions Club in uh, 1931. Uh, you know, that was uh, when the white cane started being adopted. Uh, prior to that, there were all kinds of different canes and such. And um, and kind of what, what the cane is made of, how it looks, how it's being used, um, all kinds of different aspects, the tools that are used in the show, uh, whether it's uh, the type of brailler or whether it's uh, stuff that's the set decoration in the background. You heard Joe make reference to the importance of representing blindness in a positive light. That's something that Aria touched on in her discussion with Andrika. Let's take a listen to what she has to say about bridging her lived experience with the role of Marie. Well, this was probably one of the, the biggest elements in my prep. Um, because her, her movements are, are really quite specific and I think we have a hundred years of, of film that has taught us that a, a blind character looks a particular way that unfortunately is remarkably stigmatizing because it's not been authentic it hasn't really uh, taken time to like learn from this community and hear our voices so in beautiful pieces of art some stereotypes have been enforced and those include like vacantly looking away several feet off from eye contact never making an effort to look towards the sound of someone's voice um, palms out, shuffling feet, uh, vapidness, like all of these qualities that somehow have come to mean blindness for an audience, when in reality, in the real world, blindness is very rarely observable, particularly through your face and eyes and the placement of your, your eye line or the placement of eye contact, um, because that's just, you, you follow sounds, it's polite. It's polite to look towards the sound of someone's voice, to look slightly up so that you're, you know you're making eye contact. Um, the eyes would look where, where your hand goes. Like these are just fundamental mm -hmm. truths about being a person who's blind or low vision that somehow have never made their way into film. So I understand that the sighted audience uh, who has not exposed themselves to this population before, at no fault of their own, might be really jarred by the fact that this character in her bearing appears just like them. Um, but the, the message and the cues to the blindness is either in circumstance or is in the movement of her hands and feet. And I think Sean did such a beautiful job of listening to Joe and his cues to understand you know, that 
you, you can't necessarily have this character look two feet away from someone when they're speaking to symbolize the blindness. That would be a trope and it would be wrong, especially for a character who's as strong and resolute as Marie. So if he wanted to communicate, it would be in the gesture of the hand reaching to the radio dial or a specific movement of her hands on the braille page. Um, there's so much that blind and low vision people today learn, like reading braille and using a cane that Marie wouldn't have access to. Um, she would have had to learn a lot of those things independently. The technique is totally different from today. So I think it's so important to see the differences in the historical time period then and now. Um, but also for me, as someone who, like 90% of the population uh, of the blind community is, is not totally blind, to portray a totally blind character and allow my lived experience to shine through um, and for the audiences to recognize that blindness is a spectrum and that lived experience is so valuable and important to telling these stories truthfully and honestly and that diversity and the inclusion and representation of those voices in this industry and in this piece allows us to be better people and to open up our world to those who are different than us. That's such an interesting observation about historical authenticity, not just simply saying a modern authenticity, but looking back at that perspective, and it goes back to that research side. Such such a fascinating process going into making the show, and it seems to have uh, resonated with people really, really well, and that's why the show continues to be a top trender. Andrika, you are much better at consuming content in a timely <laughs> manner than I am. It's still football season over here. There's only so many hours in the day, but you finished the series. You finished all the light we cannot see. What were your impressions of the series? You know, Dave, I actually caught the first half of the series um, at the premiere at the Toronto International Film oh, Festival. Okay. I just walked in as as a, a fan of TIFF, and um, I barely knew anything about it. I just knew that the character is blind, and that has to do with radios, and that's literally why I walked in. And I walked out, and I was so blown away. I actually knew nothing about Aria, so I was Googling her and I was trying to learn more about her, and that's when I was learning, wow, this is this is an actual uh, person with lived experience, and I must say this, it is it made all the difference to have that authentic representation on screen. It really did. I was thinking about what if there was a different actor, uh, an able-bodied actor who were to portray this role. It wouldn't have had the same effect. People wouldn't be talking about it the way they are now. Um, it made all the difference. And I also think it was just such a brilliant choice to choose uh, a, to choose fresh blood to to uh to be the star of the show mm -hmm. um Lewis Hoffman he's been in the Netflix show Dark he's he's had some some work done as well but he's not a, a big well-known face as uh two other actors in this show are Mark Ruffalo and Hugh Laurie but honestly watching the show I forgot about Hugh Laurie and Mark Ruffalo like it, it, you could have gone without them to be honest because these two stars really they stole the show and they were amazing it made all the difference and also it's only four episodes extremely digestible which I really appreciated <laughs> in a world of uh, 18 episode 18 episode seasons and seven seasons to go through yeah four works for exactly. me Andrika thank you for this excellent work uh, have a nice day talk to you a little bit later
Talk to you soon. You can find Andrika's full interviews as part of this Now with Dave Brown exclusive with Aria Mia Liberte and Lewis Hoffman on amiplus.ca. So visit amiplus.ca. Those interviews are going to go up a little bit later today. So just be mindful, amiplus.ca. And don't forget, you've got to spell the plus, P-L-U-S. And of course, you can find All the Light We Cannot See on Netflix. Coming up in 60 seconds, Alex Smythe has the weather story of the day. But first, here is Canadian press reporter Karen Rebo with your morning business minutes. Canada's main stock index eked out a small gain yesterday, while U.S. markets climbed higher ahead of today's Thanksgiving holiday. Toronto's TSX index crept four points higher to close at 20,113. New York's Dow Jones average added 184 points yesterday, and the Nasdaq rose 65. U.S. markets will be closed today for a holiday, and Japanese markets were closed today as well. And our dollar is trading overseas this morning at 73.09 cents U.S. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau will host the leaders of the European Union beginning today in St. John's for their two-day EU-Canada summit. The wars unfolding in Gaza between Israel and Hamas militants, along with the ongoing war in Ukraine, are expected to feature prominently in the talks, but trade, climate and energy are also on the agenda. And Stellantis is recalling more than 32,000 hybrid Jeep Wrangler SUVs because of a potential fire risk. From the Canadian Press Business Desk, I'm Karen Rebeau. That's a look at the money. Let's bring in Alex Smythe to talk about weather. Alex, this one may not surprise anybody. It's uh, snowing up in northern Canada. Yeah, Dave, I figured it would be appropriate to highlight the territories uh, once in a while on the weather story of the day. And so today we are focused up in Nunavut, which they are currently in the midst of a blizzard. So there is a potent blizzard in the area that's left multiple communities without power that really came in Wednesday and it's it's really been affecting the Kivalik region which saw power lines down, roofs blown off houses and it's really due to the strong winds that have accompanied this blizzard. And strong winds we're talking 100 kilometer per hour plus winds. And so it's forced that whole region to really shutter and shelter in place. The regional airports, schools, businesses all closed because of this blizzard. Now there are still travel advisories in effect because the storm is expected to move on and dissipate later today. So those travel advisories will stay in effect until the stormy conditions kind of change and, and dissipate. So the high winds have also forced visibility to be extremely low or near zero. So the region has advised if you try, if you need to travel, only do it in urgent cases and take extreme caution while you do so. Alex, thank you for this update. Talk to you a little bit later. Coming up next, the 2023 Parapan American Games are underway in Santiago, Chile. Community reporter Nathan Clement is on the ground. He'll give you an update. This is Now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern Time on AMI-tv.
I'm Marjorie Shepard of the AMI podcast, Tripping On Air. Every month, my co-host Alex Hajar and I spill the tea on what it's really like to live with MS. Watch Tripping On Air on YouTube or download wherever you get your pods.